This episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast is brought to you in part by No Judges Needed BJJ Apparel and Lavender Lane CBD Products. You can use the promo code JJT for 20% off your first order at No Judges Needed and the code JJTimes20, all uppercase, last two items are numerical, for 20% off your first order of CBD products. Thank you very much for sticking with us. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And today we have a very, very special guest as always. We never do you guys dirty. We're always going out, getting the best of the best in terms of martial arts related guests and or martial arts adjacent related guests. Today we have a man who is responsible for countless laughs on on my part and pretty much everyone on staff at the jiu-jitsu times calling out bullshit wherever he finds it you can find him on instagram at mcdojo life with over three hundred thousand followers lifelong martial artist rob hey what up man rob from mcdojo life thank you so much for joining us here today how are you living the dream dude thank you for having me i really appreciate it i love talking shop so yeah, so, so for the two for the two people that are probably unaware of your page, uh, why don't you you take us through what exactly the purpose of Victojo Life is and and why why you're so big on running it the way you do? Uh, well, basically, the mission statement is I call out fakes, frauds, and phonies and pedophiles in the martial arts. Um, I do so because I want to make sure that people who are in the martial arts stay away from cults. Stay away from being molested and stay away from falling into a possi- the possibility of being har- harmed or killed during their training, which I've seen a lot of. Well, I mean, it's it's uh, coming from someone who I've spoken pretty openly about my own uh, cult martial art experience on this show, uh, specifically when we had uh, Rokas from Martial Arts Journey. Shout out, Rokas. Um, we talked a lot about that. Um, how did this start for you? Like how, what, take us through as much as you can, your, your time in martial arts, like how you got into it. Your, your nunchuck videos are, are, are famous the world over. Um, so, so how did it start for you and how did you start actively going after these, these fakes and frauds? Well, up to, well, I've been in the martial arts for 23 years of my life now. So. Um, I started in karate as a kid. I was picked on and bullied as a child because I have scars on my face because I was born with a cleft palate. So as a kid, I, you know, was getting constantly picked on and teased because of the scars. Um, I'd usually be going to school all the time with stitches on my face or bruising and things like that from surgeries. And so I got jumped as a kid when I was uh, in 12th grade, actually. Uh, I got jumped. I got beat on by five kids and uh, they stabbed me with pencils. They kicked me in the head. They did this for five minutes straight while two teachers watched the entire thing and did nothing about it. Um, I don't know why there was some kind of policy in which teachers, I think, were not allowed to intervene. So they just watched me get beat on. And uh, my best friend who was late to the class. Thanks for being late, homie. uh, He actually shows up and he picks me up off the ground and he walks me to the nurse's office and he handed me a card. And he said, you need this. And the card was actually for karate lessons. And up to that point, my mom wouldn't allow me to do any sport. She was worried that I'd take damage to the face. Like if I got hit with a baseball, then my surgeries would have to you know, be redone. Um, and so she wouldn't let me do anything. But then after I gave, came home that day, uh, told her about karate, I said, I want to do this. Um, she gave it to me the very next month as a birthday present. And I've been doing it ever since. 
Um, you know, and so since then, uh, you know, I've gotten an opportunity to train quite a bit. I'm a third degree black belt in karate, a third degree black belt in something called Lissa Jodo, which is a weapon system where that nunchuck stuff comes from. Uh, my instructor was Master Lee Barton. Feel free to look up his stuff online. He uh, passed away about two years ago. I'm a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, 6-0 amateur boxer, 4-2 amateur kickboxer. Ran a martial arts studio for four years. I've been doing martial arts business consulting for 10 years. Um, you know, and uh, now I've been running McDojo Life for about eight or nine years. And uh, just very fortunate to be able to do the thing that I love to do and hopefully help some people out. Damn. <laughs> so, like, like towards the beginning of Instagram and, like, all like a ton of other social media, you were, like, you were right there. W was McDojo Life always just a page or was it a website or like how, well, how did it on Facebook? Like uh, it, it, the page itself started because of conversation that I had with a gentleman who only was like on a second class. So, like I was a, a jujitsu coach at the time. Uh, you know, I was a two or three stripe blue belt and my instructor was like, yo, can you do me a favor? I'm not feeling well today. Will you come in and just run the class, you know, go, go, make them go through some drills and then let them spar for the rest of the class. And I was like, yeah, not a problem. So I showed up, I did that. And then when we were done, we all stood around just shooting the shit. And this guy who was like brand new to the, uh, brand new to jujitsu, it was only a second class he, during the conversation we had mentioned McDojo. So he waited for everybody to leave. I guess he was like embarrassed. And so after everybody left, he pulled me to the side and he goes, Hey man, what's a McDojo. And then I explained to him what my version of what that is, is because everybody has a different version of that definition. Um, and then actually the basis of that conversation started what I call the five rules of what I do for the page. And, uh, he was like, well, after I explained it to him, he said, well, how come nobody does anything about that? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, that's like a good question. Like there is no regulating body to the martial arts at all. You have like small regulatory bodies in different styles, but as an overall thing, no one really regulates martial arts and what is required for you to become a teacher or instructor. And so after that, I was like, the next day I woke up and I was like, well, maybe we should just start with what we can all agree with. And so I came up with what are the five rules now of the page. And then I figured, well, why not just start with the people who are obvious? And then I started writing these long diatribes on Facebook of like all the details in which specific people were frauds. And then after a while, it just kind of became what it is now, which is more satirical and conversation based to allow other people to have their opinions instead of me trying to shove my opinion down people's throat. Damn. Yeah, I think, I think that's important, particularly in today's world. I've, I've, I've taken to not boasting as many of my opinions on, on any information platform or social media platform, simply because there's just so much decisiveness in the world and you can draw attention to ways and less uh, painful means or less confrontational means and actually get more accomplished doing so i believe so it's the more creative you are the better so i applaud you for that yeah when i started i used to write like these long diatribes of like every little thing that i thought but then after that i was like well what i've noticed is when i don't say as much and i don't leave as much when i was leaving more to the imagination more people were engaging and right. so what i found was that by me just leaving one sentence which is usually just a joke Right? right satirical i'll put out one sentence and then in the comment section you'll see all kinds of things you'll see people who like really really truly deeply believe in chi powers people who who agree with a abuse they'll be like yeah this is common where i come from so like it right. kind of started weeding things out and when i started doing that it gave me more material because i'd see that one person who was like yeah we train like this all the time and i'd be like okay so i click <laughs> on there and i just go down that rabbit hole i'm like holy crap this is everywhere <laughs> like it just 
kind of snowballed. Yeah, it's 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 funny. What I what I find too is is my personal opinion. Whenever I see more than like three lines on a post, I'm just ah, <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot. I don't really care. <laughs> so, he said words. I saw yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Or maybe I'll give it a quick peruse if it's <laughs> browse. You know. Um. So, quick question. I, I I got a few questions for you as you were talking. I jotted a few things down just because I'm interested in what you have to say. Because it's something that I personally. A tribe to myself. I'm a lifelong martial artist myself, um, and you know I am very, I very strongly support the power of of defending pure martial arts in that regard, and not allowing people to uh, to manipulate what I hold so so true to my heart. Um, so first of all, tell me what your five uh, characteristics I wrote down, but five rules of a McDojo are just so I can be familiar. Yeah. Um, well, they're pretty simple and I hope that there are something that we can all agree with, which is why I use these as a standard. One is no pedophiles. I hope that we can all agree that pedophiles. <laughs> that, should be, that should be a universal rule. <laughs> okay, I'm going to real quick, Rob, I'm going to have to full on stop you. Have you gotten pushed back on that one? Yeah. yeah. Right. God. As a matter of fact, one of the one of the major death threats, because I did death threats from time to time, one of the major wow. death threats was a direct backlash from me calling out a guy who was a pedophile in the United States. He he got caught for that here in the United States and he fled and he went over to England. When he went over there, he opened up a studio in London. When he opened up that studio, he opened it up under a different name. So he like changed his identity in a way, right? And when he opened it up under this different name, he still didn't change his face. And so like somebody down the road had sent me a video of like, hey, isn't this the same guy that you had posted previously? And I was like, yeah, that's the exact same dude. So I did research just to make sure I don't want to ruin anybody's life. Right. right? And so I, I did. The fact that out. I was like, dude, that is the guy. And so I called him out again. And of course, the people who follow the page are like white blood cells. And so once they find out that somebody like that exists, they attack. Like they and and they're ruthless. Like things that I would never do, the followers go above and beyond. And so I don't encourage it, but they definitely went to the guy's page. They they started outing him through the reviews on his Facebook. And so they were it was an open review. So they just kept leaving like these one star reviews, letting people know, like, look, dude, this guy's real name is this. He's a pedophile, and his studio got shut down. Well, I go over to London, um, so I can do a nunchuck seminar over there. I got hired to do a nunchuck seminar. And then uh, since I was there, I was like, well, I'll just stay for over a week. Why fly all the way over here just to leave? And so I enjoyed it and stuff like that. Well, they had a Taekwondo tournament that they said, hey, man, why don't you come support our guys? So I wind up going. And as I'm sitting there in the bleachers, I get this random DM. And it was from a profile that had no followers. It didn't follow anybody. And they had no posts with no uh, profile picture. And it all it said in the DM was what I was wearing. And I was like, that's weird. Obviously, this person is here and can see me. So I wrote him back. I was like, because this happens often, which is weird. I'm like, yo, dude, you can just come say, hey, like, I don't, I'll talk to anybody. Like, I'm not that special. And then like, but then they started writing me details about that instructor and how like it ruined their life because that was all they had was coming to that class and training with that dude. And they thought I was lying about that guy being a pedophile and all this. And I was like, look, dude, I don't know what to tell you. You can come talk to me about this, but I'm telling you, I have irrefutable proof that this dude was molesting children here in the United States. And then they, they said that they were going to shoot me as soon as I left the tournament. They were like, walk out the door. I'm going to fucking shoot you. And like, it's weird because like we're in London. So I don't imagine that that was a possibility because their gun laws are so strict. But then again, 
I wouldn't put it past somebody for that to happen because you can still have access to firearms if you choose to break the law. And so I was like, well, this is fucking weird. So um, sorry about cussing, by the way. It just no, comes yeah, we're, we're oh, straight. Don't worry we about are, it. Um, we are so weird. beyond that. We had Kurt no. Ostiander on. We are, we yeah. are fine. I'll be oh, dropping okay. a few F-bombs here pretty soon, too, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, so like I wind up like telling – there was off-duty police officers there helping with the tournament who got hired to help with the tournament. So I told them about it, and they were like, look, there's not really much we can do. We can't really find this dude right now. But they were like, if you feel more comfortable, you know, it is the internet. People threaten people all the time. We'll just walk you to your car after. And I was like, I would like that. <laughs> and so um, weird things like that happen. But, yeah, so also just as a food for thought when it comes to pedophilia and the martial arts, um, there's a website that actually keeps track of absolutely everybody who's ever been molested uh, through um, the martial arts or as best as they can keep track of. And according to that website, there were over 450 cases of confirmed pedophilia in the martial arts between 1987 and 2018. Yeah. So just yeah. so people are aware, it is a huge, huge problem in the martial well, yeah. arts. You know, and it's simple. You know, pedophiles are predators and predators go where the food's at. And, and when you have any when you have access to children in a, uh, you know, in, a, in an authoritarian way or in, in some kind of uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, some kind of guiding way, you know, as a teacher, you know, pro, pro, whatever, you know, pro person of authority. Um, it's easy pickings. Authoritative way. It's easy pickings, you know, mentorship kind of way. It's easy pickings. And the fun, just to back you up on that, it's funny because I imagine that of the list of things you're going to tell me about qualifications for a McDojo, that, you know, pedophilia is probably the one that's irrefutable because it's going to be some kind of documented evidence of it. Like you can dispute lineage. You can dispute <laughs> the effectiveness of whatever martial art you're trying to teach. And somehow or another, they'll be able to debate it and come to a point. Well, I guess so. But at the end of the day, there's a list of things that say, hey, this guy was arrested. This guy's on documentation <laughs> for being a sexual predator. Like there's no there's no refuting that. Well, that's that's honestly why I put the, the list together the way that I did is because it doesn't matter what martial art you do. These things are all universally not good, um, and they, they happen often. And I think that in martial arts, people start using the word McDojo, throw it around almost as a way to put down someone else just for something that they don't do themselves. Um, or success is another one. People put down martial arts studios because they're more successful than they are. So they're like that guy across the street to McDojo because they charge this much. Well, right. That doesn't that's up to them. Like that's up to the consumer to decide if that's worth their payment or oh, not. Oh, they happen to be a little better at marketing than you are. Exactly. You know, you know it, which is all pay, you know. If you, you And that's petty. That's right. petty. And that's that kind of defeats the purpose of martial arts, I would think, you know. I always use this term when I think of things like that. Like there are plenty of people out there that are probably less accomplished than I am that are doing more with their martial art. And it's not the fact that they are you know, devious or misguided. It's that they're just, they just got a little more hustle than I do. And I never, as long as they're putting out a product that I can say, yeah, that's a good product. Like I will never knock someone's hustle ever. Like go out there and do your thinking. I agree. Right. So let's let's move on. What's 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 next on this list? Because I'm curious. Um, about it. I got a few. So I got a few questions. Uh, no touch knockouts and mislabeling. Uh, and I put these together for a reason. So like obviously no touch knockouts are ridiculous, right? You can't do that. But when you start thinking about no touch knockouts, what people don't understand is it is a worldwide thing. It's not just one culture that believes this. In Indonesia, they call it Tanaga Dalam. You have Ki, which is spelled K-I. You have Ki, which is spelled Q-I. You have uh, Chi, which is spelled C-H-I. All of these are from completely different cultures that all believe that we have this spirituality power. Also, you can see this in televangelists who use the, the power of Christ 
um, not not downing religion in any way, but these are cults and they're using the religion to manipulate people. And I've seen people in Indonesia specifically, which is a major problem, that that was allowed to be perpetuated for so long that it's ingrained in their culture to where there are over 200 versions of Salat, over 200 versions of, of Indonesian Salat. But in those, over 60% of them believe in Tanaga Dalam. So that's the majority. And so I saw this video of these kids. They were all roughly between the ages of 8 to 13 laying down on their stomach. And it's a martial arts demonstration in the middle of a field. And the cameras panned in to the children laying down and it starts to pan out. And you see there's a line of about eight of these kids. Then as it pans out more, you can see the crowd and you realize, holy crap, this isn't just a couple hundred people. There's a couple thousand people watching this. Then it pans out even more and you see a ramp, the same type of ramp that you would use for like a truck to get it onto a car or a, a, the bed of something. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a car ramp. <laughs> so when it backs out even more, you see a diesel sized truck, a big truck. And then you see the the difference between the child's laying down on the stomach and you see this big ramp, which is very high for where what they're trying to do. And then you realize, oh, my God, they're going to use this truck to run over these kids. And sure enough, the truck goes up the ramp and it lands on the first kid and kills him. As soon as it lands on him, you see his legs start to twitch and the truck doesn't continue to move to where the momentum would actually get the weight off the kid. It rolls over onto the second kid, then it stops. And then you notice that that kid stops moving and then it just continues to roll forward. Now the first kid dies and the second kid they were able to revive. But the thing is, is the, the power that those people have in term, they believe the Tanaga Dalam, the chi power so much that they truly thought that it was going to help save these kids from this truck hurting them. And they allowed it to happen. So when we might look at this stuff and laugh, right, and go, ha, ha, that's ridiculous. We forget that what happens is a ridiculous idea when it's believed by the masses and is allowed to spread without being stopped becomes a dangerous idea. And so we might look at that and laugh, but at the same time, people are dying around the world because of this. I saw a kid slit his own throat because they thought Tanaga Dalam was going to save his life. Because over there, it's a parlor trick. They take these dull blades and they right. saw their necks and stuff and they hack themselves but it's a magic trick. But the seven-year-old kid was so ingrained in this BS that he actually tried to do the same thing with Cut a long blade and killed himself. It's like that. It's like back in the, like back, like back in the day, the first guy to ever portray Superman in film, he went around uh, basically to country fairs being Superman. One time some kid shows up to the event with a gun saying like, I want to shoot Superman, see the bullet bounce off. And it's only because this actor is such a good actor, he's able to convince the kid, if you shoot me, the bullet will bounce off me and hit someone and, and hurt them, that he puts the gun down. Like that, that people want to believe in this stuff. Like, no, I'll, I'm, I'll, I'm not going to lie. I want to live in a world where you can use magic to. Well, why do would all I this do crazy shit? <laughs> yeah, I exactly. That's a cool thing. I would just like. <laughs> power <laughs> yeah, i would yeah. just i would just firebend and shoot lightning and shit and that's great <laughs> you know to, to, to piggyback off of what you were talking about uh the idea of of you believe it because you see it so much it's, you know you see a lot of these chi videos where masters of chi you know take out entire dojos full of, of students trying to attack them just by waving their hands and they look super fake and they look very uh very manipulated but at the same time there's the power of that belief that sometimes it's amazing what 
manipulation will do to the human brain, even to the point to where we can manifest physical pain and physical discomfort and, 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 you know, and paralysis from what we feel from other people. So, you know, all these people are so indoctrinated into your belief system that now, you know, when you walk up to them and you wave your hand, it's that, you know, maybe they're acting, but maybe they're just Pavlonianly falling down. Is that, is that right, Kev? Is that good? Pavlonian? Was that <laughs> yeah, Pavlovian. Pavlovian. I didn't want to say it, but like you got close enough. That... Right. You know, as they, as they fall down, you know, that because they're so preconditioned to, to react to this, that they start to fall down. And you see that. I mean, you see that in mass societies all over the place. It's just, mm -hmm. it's amazing what, what that will happen. It's frightening too, because again, even if you take it towards, and I'm sure this is the direction you're going in, when you, so you start to talk about the validity of it as a self-defense, let alone actually harming people, mm. you know, now you have this false sense of security when you go out into the real world and you think you're you're prepared to protect yourself, and in reality, you've spent your entire life on nothing. Yeah, and that kind of goes into the next part of it, which is why I add this to it: mislabeling, right? So that's mislabeling. Telling somebody that you can knock people out with your mind is dangerous, but it's a mislabeling. If I called that exact same thing, like uh, improv acting, you wouldn't care because it's labeled a very specific way. And it's the same thing when you're dealing with like people who are doing stunt work. If they're doing stunt work as a martial artist, no, that is not necessarily something that will protect you in your day-to-day -day life, but they're not labeling it that way. So it's okay. And they're saying, hey, this is just for acting purposes. It looks good on screen. I would never actually do this. Who gives a shit? Like Taekwondo guys, right? Or uh, sport karate guys. When they get up and they start doing their, their musical forms and musical katas, some of that stuff is incredible and it's produced some of the greatest martial artists of our time. Like if you look at somebody like Raymond Daniels, he was able to take things like 720s and acrobatic kicking, and he applies it not just in kickboxing, but in MMA now as well, right? Yeah. But then again, when somebody does that exact same stuff and they're saying, yo, this is just a performance piece, then that's fine. Who cares? They're labeling it correctly. It'd be like if I take orange juice and poison and switch the labels by themselves labeled correctly. They're not dangerous to me because I recognize, OK, this is poison. I will not drink this. This is orange juice. Switch the labels and all of a sudden you're going to cause people to get hurt. And it's the same thing with martial arts. It's OK. Whatever it is you decide to do, just label it correctly so people don't get hurt. So that's, that's, a, that's a that's an important distinction too, because whenever I think about things like that, and I, I'm I believe me, I'm always inundated, and we're, we're going to get to this later. I'm always inundated throughout my daily life when I'm being involved in jujitsu. And again, I I wouldn't say I have a traditional uh, martial arts background, but I boxed for a long time. I wrestled in high school. Like I've done other things besides jujitsu for for quite some time. And um, I always hear I love I love to hate when the jujitsu community talks down about other martial arts to the fact of their lack of effectiveness and they're you know they're, they're not this they're not that and i always say to myself like well that's just silly i mean first of all like if a guy could put his hand through a brick like if he fix you if he hits you in the face of that you're going to be in trouble <laughs> you know he spent his entire <laughs> life doing that no matter what now it's the application of that and one of the things i feel like makes jujitsu superior in certain aspects is the idea that we recreate the real life scenarios over an extended period of time to learn to train under the duress of real time. But the important distinction to make is I, and I always go back to, he's probably not one of my favorites, probably on one of your list of uh, McDojo. <laughs> Lloyd Irving had a very good um, YouTube. I know I'm, I'm blasphemy yeah. speaking his name. Well, but, I, well, I, I, I have a 
problem with Lloyd Irving's martial arts, obviously. Of course. I have a problem with all of the other things that came with that. But what I will say is this. I saw a YouTube video of him when he talks about how his house got invaded and he had to use, uh, you know, weapons. So he had to take somebody's gun out of their hand, de-arm somebody with a gun and blah, 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 blah. But the the moral of the story was is that he was talking to this old man who was like 90 years old that that did, uh, you know, was getting his, you know, 10th whatever degree master's certification from in, in Taekwondo. And he was talking about the differences in martial arts. And the old man looked at him and he said, you know, like every martial art was created for the reason it was created. So you talk about all these high kicks in the air, like a lot of these high kicks in the air. Yeah, maybe they're not as applicable today. But when we talk about feudal Japan, when you were an unarmed, you know, civilian attacking someone that was on a horse, you know, you had to kick in the air to, to take somebody off the horse. You had to jump up in the air, do a spinning kick to take some guy off the horse. So, so, yeah, the, I, I, Aikido was the same way. It's like yeah. someone's running at you with a sword. You know, you right. need to be able to have something and someone runs at you with a, with a sword differently than they would run at you to swing at you, you know. So context matters. Martial arts can be made and validated by like the passage of time and the passage of trends and fads you know so i, I don't think anyone's anyone's gonna fault you there kev but uh, no i just what well, yeah i i was just i i use that to make the distinction because i just i hate so much when i hear black when i hear uh jujitsu guys that just talk about how like it's it's just silly in oh. my mind they have this whole idea of like invincibility because you know they know how to sit on their butt and but scoot up but um is that I think that a lot of people forget that there is no pie man, you know, like a kill bill reference for you. The older older you get, that doesn't mean the more effective you're going to be. You could study martial arts for 70 years, but you're going to have a peak and then you're going to have a plateau and then you're going to have a fall. Your body's going to get older. And the reasons you do martial arts, I would imagine probably change if you do it over a long period of time. A lot of people join martial arts for different reasons, but people always want to think that the only reason people join martial arts is specifically for effective technique. And that's just not the case. Some people join just simply because they want to have friends. I know that that sounds like a silly reason, but it's a true reason. Some people just don't have a hobby. And so they do that. They're like, it looks cool. I'll try it. Some people want to join because they want to lose weight because their doctor said if they don't lose 100 pounds, they're going to fucking die. Some people need a mentor, right? Like I have to say, one thing I didn't expect out of martial arts was getting a mentor and someone to look up to and someone to emulate and say, Hey, I want to be more like this person, or these are the traits I don't want to have. And I think that's a nice thing that comes with it is to go, Hey, that guy did some things that I enjoy. He's doing some things wrong, but at least I have a, a buoy, a navigational beacon to say, don't do this or do this. And it helps. Like I never, my father died years and years and years ago. So having somebody to look up to was greatly beneficial to me to ask for advice and things like that. And unless you're a dick, Chances are good. The most fighting you're ever going to do is probably in a tournament or at the dojo. Like if you're going around just beating the shit out of people all the time, you're an asshole. That's all there is to it, you know, but um, yeah. Yeah. So just to add to that, there's more reasons to join martial arts and just effectiveness of technique. Yeah, one hundred percent. I always tell people when parents come up to me, ask me about which martial arts. Like the first thing I tell them is like, "Well, the benefits of martial arts are, are immeasurable. You can talk about self defense, because talk about you know discipline. We talk about goal attainment. Talk about all the things, the great things, you know, communal environment, all the great things that come off of training mm-hmm. any martial arts." Yeah. All right, so I think uh, because I want to make sure we get to all these and then move on to some other things. Number three. Uh, we, we got through the first two. Number three. Yeah, so, uh, number three is shady business practices. 
So like, I think that it's one thing to be open and honest with your students about what prices are. It's a completely different thing when you're taking people for a ride. Like one thing that I heard uh, here in actually Jacksonville, there was a guy who actually was the referee of my first boxing match. Funny enough, he actually used to strong arm people when they were late for their payments. So he would go to their houses and if they were late on their payment, even by a week, he would bang on their door and threaten them physically with harm if they didn't pay him up. So that's a shady business practice. Another thing is whenever you have these people who sign up on these, I'm not saying the long-term contract is shady because I think that you're an adult and you need to read what the fuck it is that you're going to sign on. But at the same time, like let's say hypothetically somebody signs on to like what one I heard was one family of five got signed on for a two-year agreement. They only went for a month and then after that they wanted to get out. The martial arts studio actually sued them for the rest of the money. Like, come on, like, where's that integrity, right? We don't know what's going on with those people's lives. Maybe they, maybe they just lost interest and that's okay. And I understand you're running a business, but at the same time, that is a part of what you do. And you're trying to show a good example to the people that you follow and basically saying that if you don't pay up, we're going to sue you doesn't really scream integrity to me or honor in any way. Um, another thing that happens is uh, what, what happens a lot is people will base their belt structure on payment. So like one thing is a fact, the average martial artist drops out at about a year. So people smarter than me decided, okay, well, how do we keep them longer than a year? Well, what we'll do is rather than allowing them this probably seven, eight year standard, roughly about time it takes to get to your black belt on average, uh, what we'll do is we'll condense it down to two years and then we'll make it so that way you pay and we'll allow you to make your testing, but your testing is a month after your contract is over. And they do this very strategically. So you're like, hey, man, just so you know, you're you're about halfway to your black belt. Your testing's next month. Do you want to go ahead and sign up so that way we can get you ahead of your testing? Like, what the fuck? Like, or they'll charge you for belt testings, but they weren't up front to tell you that they were going to charge you to begin with. So it's one thing if I come up to you and just say, hey, just so you know, here's a contract. Roughly every month there's a belt testing. We're going to charge you X amount. They don't say that. You'll sign the year and then all of a sudden these things just magically appear like, oh, well, you have to have this specific gear to move on to the advanced program. Well, like what's wrong with the gear I have? Well, it's not labeled as the advanced program gear. It's like, well, you didn't tell me that when I signed up, I was going to have to buy this extra equipment. Like that's one thing I do really love about jujitsu is have gi will travel, <laughs> right? Like, oh, what do you need? A gi. What else? That's it. What do you need for a sport karate? Well, you might need the nunchucks, and we're going to have to get you your bow staff. We're going to have to get you your side. Then we're going to have to get your beginner gi. But hey, if you're going to move up to the advanced gi or the advanced class, you have to have the advanced gi. What about the intermediate class? We have to get the intermediate gi too. It's like, come on, man. Like some of it, it's okay if you're up front, but it's not okay if you're not up front about those things. And I think being clear and transparent is important. Another scam, by the way, which happens quite often is people will open up a martial arts studio only for two months. And then when you sign up, they have these open initial fees. Then after they open their doors for that first month, they will teach for that first month. Then they will close the doors and move on. They'll get that last, that second payment, that second month's payment, and then they'll dip and you'll never hear from them again. Jeez. Wow. That's crazy. What do you, what do you, uh, like, uh, people will go to like teach at like a uh, Bailey's or whatever, like any class that uh, any gym that offers like additional classes. And then the, the guy will show up, he'll get his first month's payment, and then he'll just never actually teach the class. And then he'll move on to the next city and do the same thing. People rack up doing that. What are your opinions on um, – it's kind of a hot topic right now – on BJJ gyms that enforce a 
uniform rule that make you wear their gear or you can't train there? Do you do you consider that to be – what are the pros and cons to that in terms of your uh, McDojo criteria? Well, I don't think that that's a McDojo thing as long as they're upfront and honest about it. If I were to take my kids and I was going to put them into T-ball or you're going to go into a baseball team, you're going to wear their uniform. It's not a question. It's not even something that's ever brought up as an issue or a problem in any sport but martial arts. Like you're representing your team. This is something you should be proud of, right? And then I think that the only issue is is that if they decide that they want to pull the okey-doke or wool over your eyes in some way, that's an issue. But if I would go up to a studio and they say, this is the requirement that we have, you're making the decision as an adult whether or not you want to join that team or not. And each team has their own set of rules and guidelines. If you don't like those rules or guidelines, don't join. But if you do, join. But just understand that you're representing that team and that's what they require of you. Okay. I, I In a similar way, I have a question on what is – for a lot of people, a very controversial topic in jujitsu. And it does, fall, I, for many people, it falls into shady business practices, but uh, people are also pretty split on it. Uh, online belt certification, you know, and that that's something that has gone through a lot of different evolutions. It's seen a lot of different faces. You know, the Gracie University guys, they got a lot of flack for at first offering, you know, black belts and then like they had to cut down to just like an online blue belt. Yeah. And you had to go in and get tested for it as you've seen what an online class looks like, especially now in COVID, you know, that, that type of resource is being used a lot more recently. How do you feel about that? Uh, well, it's pretty simple. Uh, can you do me a favor sure. just to humor me? Can you back away from your desk just a little bit? Uh, yeah, as much as you can. As much okay. as you, There's a green screen behind me, so I can't oh, really. That's perfect. All right, now do me a favor and punch me in the face. Ah. <laughs> no, go for it. I I am very this this laptop is, was pretty expensive, and you got to do it too, Kev. I had to do this shit. You better. Oh, okay. Right? So like, go for it. All right, All right. hang on. Just if I wind up. All right. All right. Oh no! I no, just, no how many times we do this game? Right? Will you ever actually punch me in the face? No, uh, I doubt it. It would be a miracle if I did. Yeah, <laughs> I will never know what that feels like. I will never know the stimulus in which I need in order to get better at dodging that feeling that understanding that I think in order for you to get good at anything, you actually have to do the activity. That's like saying, all right, well, we're going to play a basketball game all on Skype. Will I ever get better at basketball that way? No. Well, can you give me drills? Can you give me tips? Can you give me suggestions? Yes, you can. But will I ever get better at the activity unless I actually do the activity? No, I have to know what that feels like under duress. I have to like exactly why we're I'm fighting the diaphragm bill that's going on right now in uh, New York is because right. it's, it's, it's important for you to feel and undergo whatever the stimulus is and what you're trying to get better at that activity. I can't get better at baseball unless I actually play baseball. Like I can, I can do the batting cage, right? I can do that all day long. And that might make that make me better at one specific part of the game, but it's not going to make me better at the game as a whole, unless I actually do the game as a whole, unless I know what it's like to have all those people screaming, unless I know what it's like to have that pressure of a real game. And it's the same thing with fighting. And I think that the important thing about martial arts is you actually are there to do the activity. We can pretend all day long, but that's exactly what it is. If you're doing all your training online and I'm not bashing, online training mind you i'm bashing online promoting if i like for instance how many times have, i'm sure all of us have eventually you like stumble across a technique and you're like huh 
I'm trying that. But where do you try that? You go to class and you try it on multiple people because there are different body types. There are different people's attitudes. There are different people's mentalities. And the more people that you train with, the better you get at making that effective on more people. If I'm only trained with Steve in my house while we're watching tape, I'm only going to be good at fighting Steve at my house. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah, 100%. That's my opinion. I think it's okay to learn and to train that way, especially now. I mean, we don't have too much of a choice in some places. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a blue belt. It doesn't mean you're going to be a purple belt. It just means you've worked on technique online. I mean, shit, do you even need an instructor at that point? Why have lineage? Why have hierarchy? Why have belt systems? It doesn't really matter at that point. Like there's, yeah. there's things that need to be done in order, I think, to gain rank. Are you sad, lonely, scared? Do your friends point and laugh at how bad your outside heel hooks are? Have you given up hope? Well, chin up, comrade! BJJ Black Belt and purveyor of fine coffee, Josh Starlord LaDuke is here to change your life. Buy his new DVD, Quantum Breaking Mechanics, with the link in the description to gain all the secrets of foot mangling and knee wrecking to destroy all who stand in your way. Now Josh doesn't know we're sharing this, so act fast before he finds out and unmakes us with the power of his mind. Shit, that's him. Oh, he's pissed. Uh, anyway, I, I gotta go, but uh, click the link and uh, always heal hook responsibly. That always goes back to my, uh, my mantra on why I still believe that Jiu-Jitsu is the best martial art for self-defense. It's the idea that we can continually train at a ex- very high level that simulates real-life fighting circumstances over and over and over again to, to in turn, where, where I say that I don't necessarily agree that the techniques of Jiu-Jitsu are the greatest for martial for self-defense. It could be, but that's debatable. The undebatable part of it is the idea that we can go smack hands and recreate a real-life scenario over and over and over again so that we're not really learning techniques. We're learning how to, to think under yeah, that duress that's smart that's trying to kill you <laughs> right, right. Like, exactly. it's a fun puzzle and it's exactly. a fun way to die but exactly. it's still the same thing it's just a game that you're playing to simulate killing each other right yeah. how, how do you yeah. how do you um i know we got some more stuff i think we got two more to go but i want to i want to yeah. ask this question before yeah. i forget about it how do you justify and maybe that justifies too hard of a word but how do you rationalize that thought process in in some other martial arts where there's not really any kind of live sparring involved in terms of their self-defense effectiveness. And I say that in regards to like, there's lots of karate guys now that are, you know, that are doing well in UFC, you know, they're doing well in, in, and again, even a, even a, an MMA fight isn't really what real world is. It's there's there's three different levels. There's sparring. There's you know training, drilling. There's MMA, and then there's real life confrontations. You know self defense. It's all different. Um, how do you how do you feel about uh, guys training in in martial arts that don't necessarily have that confrontational uh, sparring? That you know maybe a false sense of security. Yeah, I, I don't know how to word that question, but what, what, what do you, you know, think I think about it that? goes back to like the mislabeling thing. Yeah. I think as long as things are labeled correctly, I don't yeah. see any problem with it. For instance, like um, you said karate and karate like has a lot of different forms of competition. You have like WACO, you have NASCA, you have NBL, you have WKF, which is going to be in the Olympics if the Olympics actually happens. Um, but like all of those things, they kind of have different rule sets and things like that, but at least they're clear. So, like, again, if you're going to do, like, let's say katas and stuff like that, it's the funny thing about a kata is people do kata 
that hate Kata. People do Kata that talk bad about Kata because Kata is doing nothing more than kicking and punching in the air. I'm pretty sure we've heard that before. It's called shadow boxing. It's the same shit. So all these people who are doing shadow boxing, like Kata's bullshit as they punch yeah. and kick in the air. The only difference is you're doing a freestyle one, right? It's the same shit. You can hate it all you want, but you're still fucking doing it. <laughs> so like the only difference is not set. It's not a set uh, pattern like a more traditional form might be. So like when I look at people who are doing that, as long as it's not mislabeled, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like if they, you know, for instance, if they're like, they could be a guy who doesn't know how to fight his way out of a paper bag, but he might be the next like Taylor Lautner. I'm sure most people know who Taylor Lautner is. He's an actor. He's just an actor. But what did he do in order to become an actor? He was a kid who went to every NASCAR tournament that there was, and he did every Kata division that there was and became a world champion at Kata before he was even close to 16 years old. Like he was a multiple time world champion. And then he used that as a stepping stone to work his way into acting. And then of course, like he's done well for his career. Most people know who he is. Most people know about the Twilight movies, right? But that was an actor who never once ever claimed to be this world-class fighter. That's okay because we still get entertained. Right? Was he Jacob, by the way? He was, was, that, he was the werewolf yeah. in he was Twilight. Yeah. That's Only funny because that's the second time I've referenced Jacob in the last two days, and it's probably <laughs> more times than in the last five years I've referenced Jacob. Homie so was Homie was sliced. That is yeah, what I remember crap. about yeah, him. Also, yeah. like he was in Shark Boy and Lava Girl, which is one of the most like, <laughs> bizarre <laughs> movies I've seen in my life. Yeah. But yeah, like that's the thing. Like, what's as long as it's labeled correctly, who gives a shit? I agree. Like, I agree with you in that regard too. Like, if you practice, and the same thing with like punching through bricks. If you pass just doing a spinning kick, and you have that much precision with your yeah. spinning kick, like, and it doesn't matter if you've never actually kicked somebody in the face. If you want to kick them in the face, and someone's untrained, odds are you're gonna have a pretty good shot of kicking them in the face. Now, if you miss after that, we might have some problems. <laughs> but you, you still, a trained person is still gonna be much more prepared than an untrained person, no matter what. I agreed. <laughs> okay. So I was just curious as to your point of view of someone that yeah. has has a traditional martial arts, you know, background yeah. and a jiu-jitsu martial arts background. Yeah, you know, and again, these are these are all just my opinions. So, yeah. like, I could be completely wrong. You know, I could be off base. Some people might not agree with me, and I'm okay with that. These are just my opinions. You but know? you're making your opinions from a place of actual experience. You know, I, yes. what what bothers me is when people that have no experience in traditional martial arts like to talk down about traditional martial arts. And that's, you know, that's your opinion. But they act like it's factual data, even though, hey, man, have you ever practiced doing a spin kick for freaking five years of your life, ten years of your life, and you got a black belt out of it? Like, we probably pretty good at it. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Like Raymond Daniels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, exactly. shit. All right, so – uh, next on the list, uh, I'm really interested. I think we're at number four. Four, yeah, yeah. four. Okay, um, four. I like that. Like the some numbers should pop up on the screen. Lying <laughs> 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 about your belt rank and your fight record. So ah. I think that if you lie about your belt rank and your fight record, chances are good. That's the first question you're ever going to be really asked, right? So like, if I'm approaching somebody who's about to be my instructor, usually what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask them questions about the art. I'm like, oh, so how long have you been doing this? Or what is your experience and all that? If they'll lie about their belt rank and fight record, they'll probably lie about everything else. And to me, it's the equivalent of stolen valor, but more dangerous. So years ago, I had uh, Tim Kennedy on my show and I asked him, what's worse, stolen valor or um, uh, people who lie about their belt rank? And he, he said something that changed my mind because I always thought stolen valor was worse. But he said, lying about your belt rank is worse because that means that you're going to lie about everything that you're going to teach people and that will get people hurt. 
Lying about being in the military is disrespectful, but the worst thing that's going to happen is you'll probably get a free cup of coffee. And so I agree 100% with what he said there because originally I thought stolen valor was worse because people died to earn those ranks. People died in order to keep the military going, in order to save you know other people's lives. People sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice and they died. But in martial arts, we kill other people. <laughs> you know, we get other people killed with misinformation. That weekend warrior self-defense courses are the worst. Like, if you ever look at, um, I'm going to just call them out by name. If you look at uh, Tech Insider did this, Marie Claire did this, 5-Minute Crafts has done this. They all have released these self-defense videos in which they had martial arts experts who were not martial arts experts whatsoever teach martial arts of self-defense. And they got millions upon millions of views. And the comment sections are terrifying because these are people are looking at this going, oh, my God, me and Cindy, we need to get together with the group and practice these things together. Didn't, really like, didn't like Tech Insider have some lady do a self-defense video for them? And it was just this tiny lady and she was doing like, you got to stomp. You got to focus on what's free. Don't hand fight. Like, here's a fully, yeah. I'm fully she, rear naked uh, choked right bus, now. She, she said the way to defend against being choked from the rear was one to lean forward. Well, right. shit, that's not going to work because you're going to choke yourself. Right. More than you're already being choked. Lean into yeah. the choke. Yeah, lean into the choke. She said that create space between you and the person, which is going to be damn near impossible. Somebody's really choking you. She said, hit them in the groin and then stomp on their foot and they'll always let go. She even had a better one, which I I thought was even funnier. She said that when you're mounted, wiggle your hips and your hips will hit them in the groin and that will make them get off of you. Sure. And I got to tell you, been doing jujitsu for what, nine years now? Not a one time, not once, not once when I've mounted someone, have I ever been hit in the groin by their hip? Not one time. <laughs> so like boss I boss Gruden loves to like tell me too i gotta tell you that so boss Gruden loves to tell i tell a story about that i've seen in a couple interviews with him where he talks about like teaching the class and there was some like kung fu guy in the back it was like oh you know like snuffling <laughs> and kind of chuckling around and he, he was showing a rear neck tickers well i know how to get out of that and he goes all right cool show me how to get out of it because okay, okay i'm gonna put you in this rear neck choke and we're gonna count to three he says, I poke you in the eyes. Okay, cool. When I count to three, I'm going to break your neck, and I want you to poke me in the eyes. And we'll see how that works. Are you ready to no, go? No, he, what no, he no, said no, was, no, no, no. He said was, all right, we're going to go. Uh, if you touch my eye, I'm going to break your neck. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. He's exactly. like, thank you. Gene, Gene, uh, <laughs> uh, what is it? Judo Gene LaBelle was famous. No, yeah. Yeah. He choked out, uh, who was it? David Seagal with that. So the funny thing about that story is people who defend Seagal with that story still don't say that he didn't get choked. They just say he didn't shit his pants. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, all right, I don't care if he didn't shit his pants or not. Right. He still went to sleep. Got yeah, I'll talk a little bit about that false, you know, representation of your fighting from, from kind of a vivid experience. Like there was a time when I was first coming up where you feel like it's very important that people respect you and you feel like the only way you get respect is by stating your credentials as far as uh, in the fighting world. And, uh, you know, it comes from insecurity. It comes from people will no longer, you feel that people won't take you seriously for the knowledge that you've attained over a lifetime of, of training. If you've never actually, I've never actually fought an MMA. I boxed for a long time and I did jujitsu for a long time, but I never had any professional MMA fights. So as an MMA coach, it's difficult sometimes for me to, to, to feel like I can reach MMA fighters because I've never fought MMA. But the idea is, it's like I've trained jujitsu. I've trained, you know, martial arts my entire life. And, there are plenty of coaches 
that are legitimate trainers. A perfect example is Mr. John Danaher. John Danaher never competed at all. And find me a, a better MMA coach on the planet. So it's the insecurities that lead to that. And it's an unnecessary insecurity. Like if, you, if you've trained MMA or jujitsu your entirety of your life, even if you never have a professional record, you, you know what you're talking about. You have things to offer. Mm. Yeah. So anyway. Well, I, and like I, I, what I think about this one that's interesting is I think it's the one activator that ju- regular jujitsu people will get involved with. With like oh. I think oh, yeah. that people will like if you're a jujitsu guy and you're in town and you you pass like a no touch knockout place, you'll laugh at it, but you're not gonna you're not gonna go ahead and like go and try and convince people not to do it for the most part. But if you find out someone like in upstate New York, there was that dude who was putting out videos claiming he was a uh, IBJJF ranked black belt and he was doing the worst arm bars, the worst everything guys will some random dudes just got in their car and went and Filmed called it, this yeah. guy out. And then they, that video blew up everywhere. Like jujitsu people, if was- you lie about your belt rank, people will find you. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that they were super respectful about it, to be honest. Like they, they took the guy's entire class. They listened to everything that he had to say. And then at the end, they were like, hey, do you want to roll? And usually that's a sign of disrespect is when you go into somebody else's gym right. and you ask a higher rank to roll or a black belt to roll. Especially, especially the guy whose name's on the door. Yeah. Um, and like and that happened uh, not too long ago at Goat Shed. Um, who, who's over, uh, Gilbert Burns? Not Gilbert Burns. Who's over at Goat Shed right now? He did bare knuckle. He was MMA. Um, oh. Artem is the only guy I know. Or Jason no. Knight. No, uh, you're talking about uh, Jim Ayers, maybe. Oh, damn it! Uh, in any case, somebody okay. went in there and they 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 challenged this dude to spar, and he just knocked him out. Yeah. Like that's what mo- yeah. most of the time will happen if you're disrespectful to an instructor. They're just gonna fuck you up and move on with their day, right? right? right. Well, these guys did that, and the guy was like, "Oh no, I know spar. You know, I, I it's not for me. I don't do that." And he's like, yeah. "Dude, you're lying." And then they 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 proceeded to tell every student that was there, which is like two guys, two other yeah. guys, like, "Look, Both this guy was students. doing leg wrong. <laughs> this guy was like, he won't even spar. Like, there's not almost any black belt I could ever think of." that would not not only feel disrespected by that, but probably at least roll with you. And even if they didn't fuck you up, they would roll with you. Right. Like, and that's how most classes end anyway. <laughs> or, they, or, or if you're hurt or injured, you don't feel like danning this person with with with, uh, with the dignity to roll. Yeah, hey, cool, I'll tell you what, you roll with one of my purple belts. If you beat my purple yeah. belt, then you can roll with me. We'll, we'll go yeah. from there. The proof's <laughs> in the pudding. Yeah, the proof is definitely in the pudding. And you were talking about being a coach. Like, look at Freddie Roach. Like, Freddie Roach right now has parkinson's right? right he's he has a very hard time functioning but has created some of the greatest boxers ever right and so we're gonna call freddie roach a, like a liar because he isn't really a world-class boxer himself you don't have to be a world champion to be a good coach freddie was a hell of a boxer back in his day no, he wasn't a bad boxer. Back in, but not now not now i, I can and, i can agree I'll, with you on that i'll give you one better i've seen vid- like pretty recent videos of freddie like really uh, being affected by his by his uh, illness, and yet you, you put him in front of a speed bag, he's still able to put some shit on it. Like, holy Dude, there's, shit. There's something incredible. Like, I know we're kind of off topic here. Yeah, no worries, man. <laughs> we're going to get to five eventually. We, we, got, we usually got about 10, 15 minutes left. <laughs> yeah, there's something incredible about, like, what the human body does, especially to, like, fight things like Parkinson's when people use, like, martial arts. Like, there's a guy who does this thing called Cognitive Kali. And he does it at um, uh, 
Los Angeles University, LSU, I think it is. Um, but he does cognitive Kali for people who have Parkinson's. And actually by them doing the stick work, it helps them with their Parkinson's. Or there's like um, a boxing group that gets together. I forget what they're called off the top of my head. But they actually have these boxing classes specifically for people who have Parkinson's disease. And it actually helps them. There's something magical about martial arts that wires your brain to move a very specific way. And like, like you're talking about Freddie Roach, right? Freddie Roach will just uncontrollably shake. And then he puts on mitts and he just stops. He just goes right to the movements because there's something that rewires your brain, reprograms it to move and act a certain way. I think that's why whenever you like see a wrestler walk, you can spot a wrestler just by the way his body is, is formed over, a little hunched over, right? Like walking a specific way. You go, that guy wrestles. And you don't fuck with that dude. You just already know, right? Because you can tell that his body has been wired that way. You know, he's, it's he's fascinating. Ready. He's ready yeah, to snatch done, the neck down. They've <laughs> done some great research with that. I've seen uh, dancing. I've seen other – but because what happens is it's become you, – you go back to, you know, the muscle memory skills, which is a different – they've proven that to be a different – uh, uh, mental wiring, you know, a different mental passage that from 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 brain to the to the muscles. Muhammad Ali was another famous one that did that too. Like they they could never get Muhammad Ali to work out anymore because he just didn't want to do it. And then what they ended up doing is they put mirrors in his room and they put a heavy bag up and a speed bag up and a little ring when he was old and decrepit. And he'd go shadow box and it was like a miracle because he would be shaking. But when you talk about the shadow boxing, he would almost start to get back into the the trash talking Muhammad Ali that he was in the past. And there was like a resurgence of his of, of, of his former self it was actually pretty cool i watched a documentary about that i love stuff like that dude yeah, it's exactly it, it blows my mind you know all it's right. like it, all right Go ahead. No, so. no i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off go ahead yeah let's, let's, <laughs> it's like a dick now i didn't mean no, that man, like, no it's all good like i just i we're, we're i'm just gonna beat a dead horse but yeah, yeah. i just like I, I really do find that fascinating i think it's incredible yeah the human, um, the human the number brain five, is, uh, number five is pretty simple it's just unsafe training practices so, like, I've seen some of the most abusive behavior out of martial arts that tries to hide behind it being legit real training. So, for instance, what I'm posting tomorrow, which might get taken down off of Instagram, is this boxing, what seems to be just people playing around boxing in the street. And this guy got knocked out while he's boxing in the street. He falls, hits his head on the concrete. And the very next image that you say is him on the, in the morgue on a slab. They were just playing. Now, what kills me about that stuff is I've seen coaches say this is our realistic training, sparring on concrete, no headgear. Uh, and like what happens when you actually get knocked out is I'm six one. That means my head is falling six feet to the ground. And if I hit my head just because I slipped or fell, I could die. And so people try to say this is realistic training like in the street. There's no mat on the street. You're right. There's also people who fucking die in the street. Right. We're not training to die. We're training to, to get as realistic as we can in a safe way. I've seen people like beat the living hell out of kids with sticks overseas because they felt that was going to help their discipline. No, what's going to happen is you're just going to wind up injuring that kid. You're going to mess them up physically and mentally. Congratulations. You're a dick twice. Um, you know, I've seen people like uh, do like um, some things like more bare knuckle type stuff in their in, the, in their gyms. Well, like what happens here is you break someone's orbital bone, you break somebody's nose, you knock out a tooth. Those things are permanent damage. Those things will never, ever be the same. You accidentally hit somebody in a specific way and they lose their eyeball. Congratulations. You got real to training. You also lost a student. Right. You know, you open yourself up to lawsuits. So that kind of stuff bothers me.
Yeah, I I see a lot of that, and particularly in, in jiu-jitsu, we saw that great, that, I mean, that horrible video, of, it was somewhere in Brazil where they had that white belt, and they choked him unconscious. Yeah. They him back up again, and they choked him out again, and they were smacking yeah. him around, and it's just unnecessary. Very unnecessary. Like, I think that thought process goes back to an old school kind of philosophy to where you have to make yourself tough. You have to be rugged and rough. And even, you know, even in, in your, in your lifting regiments and the way guys are doing hard circuit trainings. And that's, that's what leads to energy in injuries. And I think we're starting to see a, a, a revitalization of intelligent training practices mm-hmm. as a result of that. And you see it, you know, traditional martial arts, even boxing gyms, it's, it's an old school way that is mm-hmm. like unnecessary. You don't need to train. People to or do like that. you see guys line their students up and just start ting off on their head, right? right. Like, what the hell does that do? Get yeah. creates more CTE, makes it easier right. for you to be knocked out. Like, what right. the hell? What, what's yeah. the goal here? We, we talked about this briefly the other day when I I crashed your Instagram live uh, story. But when I was famously, uh, because we've talked about this on the show before, when I had a McDojo experience where I was coming off of a few months of summer training in jiu-jitsu. I was back at school. There wasn't any strict jiu-jitsu schools, but there was this place called AKT, which was marketing itself as a sport jiu-jitsu place. And I didn't know the difference, but I they said they did some jiu-jitsu, they, some Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I'm like, I want to keep doing this. I don't want to quit. So I'm going to, I'm going to train. One of their in their pro class, they would have you just sit there with a partner and you had to like glove up and then just jab each other in the forehead. And you had to just get used to getting hit in the head. And yet they had to do that for like, I, I don't I don't even remember how long you had to do that, but it was like a whole drill. And it was like a big part of their whole thing was just pain tolerance. And it's then the, I've ever yeah. fucking heard in my life. Right. I, I pray. I wake up every day doing this job and I pray that I will have the opportunity, especially with the document, that I walk in and see some stupid shit like that. <laughs> I will not be the quiet guy. Like, I'm going to yeah. call that. I'll be like, dude, this is fucking dumb. Y'all should stop doing this now because of every medical reason in the world not to do that shit. Let's talk to any doctor in the world and, and, and someone in particular. I'm sure you boxed for a long time. I, I have a pretty substantial boxing background and like they suffer from some CTE problems. And like people like that, you see that and you just look at him and say, bro, like you're not going to see the effects of this today or tomorrow, but it's going to be in like five or 10 years from now when you don't ruin, when you're, when you're way past all of this, when you can't find your keys and you're getting lost walking around your house that you're going to be like, Oh, I remember getting punched in the face. That was so stupid. <laughs> like the yeah. scary part about CTE is it's cumulative. Yeah. So like once you develop CTE, which by the way, they can't test for until after you die. The only way they can test for CTE is they literally have to cut open your brain to see the damage that's been done. They can't check for it. So if you have it, there's no way of knowing until after you die. You can only just kind of guess based off the symptoms that you have, right? You could do MRIs, but they're not very conclusive. Yeah, they they don't really help. Map a little bit of it, but it's not really the same. But what what they say about CTE is, is is once you have it, it just gets worse over time. And like from what I saw, it's very similar to like a glow stick that gets broken open. Like um, it's some type of toxic chemical that's released into your brain. And it just keeps pouring out and it doesn't stop. It never stops. So like if you once you develop CTE, it, even if you stop training after that, it it itself will continue to get worse. Yeah, it doesn't. Gross, do it. Gross. Yeah. It's scary shit. It's not. Yeah, it's not not cool at all. And I see all the time man. I sparring and just see young fighters out there that aren't wearing headgear that are just being 
reckless with their sparring and sparring way too hard. And I just think to myself, bro, like save that for the fight. You own that. If any, and I will beat this dead horse until it's dead. Cause it has to be said, don't you, your body only has a finite number of wars in it. Like it, whether you want to believe it or not, every single one of us only has so many actual hard battles that we can go to before our body just can't take it anymore. Save it for when you're getting paid. <laughs> Save it for when it matters. Like I agree. you could you could spar hard here and there just to kind of get used to it, but save the brutal battles for when you're going to go out there when it matters, when it's actually going to do yourself good. Because every time you get one of them battles, your life is decreasing substantially. And I say it all the time. As much as I love fighting, there's still a part of me that that's saddened and 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 disturbed by the fact that I actually go out there and help people do these things. But whatever, it's the way it goes in my life. Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, I I think that that's that's well, well. For one, Rob, thanks for that. Is a very com comprehensive list, and I feel like that's a really fair judgment of when to call something a McDojo for any one of these. Like, not you don't need to hit hit all five of them. I don't think just like no. any one of these is cause for concern. Some of them are more changeable than others. Like if there's problematic business practices, you could change that up. But if the core of what you're doing is false and it's built on lies and, and basic hypnotism, almost mm. you're it's bullshit. Like, and again, I'm just going to go back to my own experience just because my, my experience was part of the reason I wanted to have you on so bad is that I've seen how fucked up it can get in a, in a McDojo, just because I, I reached a point where I didn't know if I liked martial arts anymore. And there was a mm -hmm. real divergence where I could have just decided not to do it anymore. Cause this place, I, as a white belt, I was already tapping some of their black belts in their system with jujitsu. Cause none of them spent any time on the ground, really like in their rule set, you stand, you get stood up in like 15 seconds. So they don't, they don't really waste any time. They, they suck. And they they came up with a bunch of excuses for why I was beating them. They kept saying that I my terms, like the like the types of grips I was using and the words I was using were wrong and I needed to start using their words. Like this is a this is a, I'm like, this is just a, a grip, the basic grip. <laughs> and he's like, No, that's a can open, that's a soda can grip. You guys call it a soda can grip. And I'm like, and what's this grip? And I'm like, it's like an S grip. You know, and they're like, no, it's opposing thumb script. Say it right. And I'm like, shit, man. And I, well, I get that a bunch of gyms use different terms, but yeah. like normally everyone knows what the fuck we're talking well, about. So that's the petty stuff that bothers me, to be honest. So like the you notice there's a lot of stuff that a lot of people like you left this out. Like how long it takes to get a black belt? Well, BJ Penn got his black belt in like what, two, three years? Yeah. So is that the standard or is it the rule? Is it a guideline or is it a rule? It's a guideline, so it can't be universal at that point. So we can't call that that because there are exceptions to that rule. So you can't I mean, say that. Grace Grace Gundrum just got promoted off of her her most recent tournament performance. I saw that. That was actually Kelly. that was so cool. And uh, you know, I'm really happy that no one's no one seems to be complaining because that we all know Grace can fucking destroy. She's like Galactus, you know, destroyer of worlds. Uh, everyone's <laughs> just like Kelly yeah, is pretty good too. But exactly, good she's beating sure. the people you would need to beat to be considered a black belt. Like, right. yeah, no one's no one's going off on. Well, she's too young, or oh, she's too this she's do that nope grace is a is a tiny monster and give her a black belt please for the love of god we need to keep her from killing all of us I, i've always used this as the gauge 
for uh, for for black belt, and it's not about who you beat. It's not about what you do in a tournament. It's not about what how good you are. To be perfectly honest with you, it's about do you represent what I believe to be the skill set of a black belt entails. And I don't care if you do it in three years. I don't care if you do it in twelve years. As long as I can look at you and I can say, okay, cool, you know, because I have plenty of blue belts and purple belts that'll tap tons of black belts and brown belts that come in my gym you know what i'm talking about and i'm not saying that's i'm special i'm just saying that's a fact and it's just not to say my gym there are plenty of purple belts and 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 blue belt high level competitors or you know d1 wrestlers blah 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 blah, blah whatever that will tap yeah yeah oh, exactly. quite regularly now the real question is, is do you understand the nuances of the martial art to deem you to be accepting of the higher belt level and the two don't always go hand in hand. You know, are you using are you using what I consider to be real levels of jiu-jitsu to advance his positions against the higher level person or are you just being more athletic, bigger, stronger and you got a great kimura or a back take. You know, you know what I'm talking about or, or are you great at leg locks, you know? That doesn't necessarily make you a black belt. But I, I don't ever judge people, man. I don't give a shit, dude. The people that get caught up in that are stupid. Like, and this <laughs> it goes back to, it goes back to what my coach used to always tell me because I can remember when I was getting my black belt. Like my coach, I was like, everyone, when you get your black belt, you're like, oh man, I just don't deserve this. I don't, I don't think I'm ready for this. You know, because there's that questioning of whether or not I really have have conquered this. I don't believe in myself. And the coach, my coach, I remember he looked at me flat in the face. He goes, well. That's not your decision to make. <laughs> you know, I am your coach and I'm the one that's telling you you're a black belt. So I'm giving <laughs> you a black belt. So like in this in the freaking discussion, you don't have to wear it. You can say you're not, but you are because I said you are. So why mm. do we get mad about things like that? I don't I don't yeah, think it's, it's, there's so many petty things, man. I think I think one thing that's missing, and not just from the martial arts, but the more I do this job, which has become a job, it's my full-time job now. So it means more to me now than it did when I didn't do it for a living. Kudos um, to you on that, by the way. I appreciate it. I'm you. happy to see people doing that. Um, but one thing that I've noticed is just the extreme lack of empathy, just in general, from pretty much everyone really worldwide, not just in the martial arts, but it spills over into the martial arts. I'll see, I'll walk into a martial arts studio and above the door, it'll say, leave your ego at the door. Like it'll say it right in letters, right above the door. But then I look across and it'll say, this is a black belt school. And it's like, well, those two things are contradictory to each other. Am I supposed to leave my ego at the door or am I supposed to own up to being this holier than thou symbol of what a black belt is supposed to be? Well, I would much rather the symbol say, leave your ego at the door and say, this is a white belt mentality school. I would much rather, I would respect that because those two things would go together. My, I have no ego in this game. I get death threats. People want to fight me all the damn time. Okay, you can kick my ass. I'm mediocre. I am one of the most mediocre martial artists that there probably ever is or ever will be. I am okay at this. I won't that say mean, that. That I, means you're good, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that, that humility means you're not too bad. But nah, I'm 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 being honest. <laughs> but I'm I'm mediocre. But like, there's just there's this video of Rob tooling on Gordon Ryan just running no, through the DDS no, guys. Not, <laughs> that 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 Did you say you could kick Gordon Ryan's ass here? <laughs> oh, broke here first. Did you Rob, that? Make, by the way, calling out Barry Tonin. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> nope. today, guys. Um, it's a slow news cycle, baby. We got to pump this <laughs> No, like I've met those guys several times, and they were always the coolest fucking people. They take the time to talk to their fans. Yeah, really like I was talking to Gary Tonin. And we were just shooting the shit at Substars. And I was sitting there. We were shooting the shit. And some eight-year-old kid and his dad were standing there just waiting to talk. 
And he was like, hey, man, if you don't mind. And he just completely cut off the conversation and went right to talking to that kid. He talked with that kid for at least an hour. I bet and I met you at Step Stars. Were you one in Miami, the one that went down? Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah, I was I was there too. I bet I bet we talked. I remember I remember your face. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I bet we talked there because as soon as it came on, I, I think we I think we did have a conversation for a little bit. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I actually got pissed off of that dude, man. Like he hit me talk, up and talk he about me. McDojos. Like, holy oh, yeah, shit. The, 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 how about Mick tournament though? How about like <laughs> Mick, Mick, yeah? So he hit me up and he was like, Hey man, what do you think about like let's uh let's share this information and shit? I was like, Yeah, of course, not a problem. Send me all the info. I'm all about helping fighters get paid. I'm all about paid tournaments because I think this is a great thing to elevate the sport and shit like that. Then like I'm doing a live one day. Like it was like a, a week after, I think. I'm on live and all of a sudden somebody was like, Hey man, what'd you hear about Substar? And then somebody else said it. And then somebody else said, I was like, what the fuck? And so like, I got, as soon as I got off my live, I went and I was like, Oh my God, you, you didn't pay some of these people. And it was like, well, things come. I was like, no, that's bullshit. No matter what comes up, you don't offer the money you don't have. Like, don't fucking do that. That like wrecks it. And I was like, what's even worse, motherfucker is like, you put my name on that shit too. I helped advertise for you. Exactly. Like, and so, like, I, I I want nothing. And he's like, well, I'll eventually get those guys paid back. Yeah, the damage is fucking done. Like, the damage is done. It doesn't matter if you pay them back eventually or not. You didn't own up to your promise, which was to pay them then. So I want nothing more to do with that bullshit. You want to talk about fucking irritated, dude? Like, I literally called this kind of shit out for a fucking living. And right. you caught me in with and that. You're and the I one that put me into that one. Yeah, it, it, That was a whole... I, I knew that guy pretty well. I've competed on one of his first cards, and I went down there and 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 actually coached Nicky Rod on a on a tag team match he had on his, on one of his second cards, third cards or whatever. And like I can remember seeing all the information about this coming out and thinking to myself, I don't know about this. This guy just ain't that bright. I don't think he's gonna be able to pull this off unless he's got like mob money behind him or something. It just seemed very suspicious. And I think the problem with that was it was just it was almost like a like a fire island type thing where it's just kind of like everything fire festival fire <laughs> festival right where it was just like the the allure just got too big to be true or you know too 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 big and everyone just bought into the the, the madness and then they were in the, in the day i was like oh wow this is all bullshit nobody's getting paid mm-hmm. anyway it was that was a sad day in jiu-jitsu fucking world <laughs> yeah, for some reason. like i woke I, as soon as i heard that shit i was like just kicking myself in the ass i was like i've fucking that's bullshit. And so I like I, I almost feel bad. Like I was like, there's no way of me knowing, of course, that any of that would have happened. I don't fucking know. I'm not helping promote this. Shit. Like I'm not a part of the promotion. I was just like, yo, the dude was like, hey, can you like advertise? Like, fuck, yeah, I can advertise. I want the sport to do well. Yeah, and then all exactly. of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, yeah, I didn't pay them. It's like, what a piece of shit. <laughs> like, dude, what the fuck? Like, it ain't that hard. How about this? You go out and you take out a fucking loan. And you go pay all those fighters for your work, and then you pay yourself back. You pay the and loan you figure back. It out. You figure it out. You pay them. You pay them fucking now, and then you pay the loan back over time. Well, you but, have money in an escrow account previously. I mean, dude, it was something. It was ridiculous. I think his payouts were like over over two hundred grand. I think was his total payouts. It was nuts. And then yeah. he, his his anticipation was pay per view sales. I was expecting to pay, sell all these pay per view sales. Like, what the fuck are you thinking, man? <laughs> and their audience. What there wasn't a ton of people in the audience. I mean, there were people who were there who were supporting. But yeah, I'm sure but some of those tickets were given by not, not three hundred grand worth of tickets. Yeah. No, no way in hell. I mean, I mean, the attendance may have paid for the venue, so that might have been a wash. But that was about it. I, I doubt that seriously too because that was a hollow venue they added in yeah anyway so let's 
Kev, you got anything I, else? I, yeah, no, I just I thought. Well, I mean, like, I, I want to get in the documentary, and I feel like a great lead-in would be something that I, I feel like we're seeing a bit of a shift in. Like when you go to the '80s and '90s, uh, when you think martial arts in those times, outside of things like like Rocky, where it's just real boxing. Um, you, you get things like Bloodsport. You get things like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You get things like Three Ninjas. How much of a role do you think media has played in promoting McDojos and uh, enabling them? Well, I mean, see, to me, like, again, based off of the versions of my rules, it had nothing to do with them. Okay. Like, it did, it, because those are honest. This is a film. This is a movie. And, like, when you look at Bloodsport, for instance, which I would – put in its own category because that was perpetuated <laughs> lie by frank, um, dukes. frank yeah. dukes he lied about all of that and yeah, then the whole he tried thing to was the whole thing was the whole thing was made up so that's 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 really yeah. funny i just i just found that out in the last two or three years that that was the case and literally like my entire life changed so i was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> kubate wasn't a real thing he didn't Dang. break the brick oh. <laughs> no but okay so so not maybe not movies but like i would you you can find a ton of and i think you've posted a lot of them old like news stories where people like local access news will go to the dojo in their town who the guy who's talking about the dim mock that he got learned from he learned when he was studied in China for a month. Like (laughs) I I, to show you the power of ignorance. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily blame the media for that. I blame the people who picked up the story who were too ignorant to understand what the truth was. And now like just to dig into this and I don't want to get too terribly political, but I do want to make sure that we talk about it. We touched on the diaphragm bill. Right. Yeah. And for anybody who doesn't know what that is in New York, they pass this new bill, which is based off an old bill that was already in existence. They just revamped it to where basically you're no longer allowed to do chokeholds. And as the headline reads, that sounds great to people who are worried and upset about what just recently happened to George Floyd. The headline sounds good. Right. But then you start dissecting the bill and they take away absolutely everything that will allow you to detain a suspect without hurting them. You're no longer going to allow the neon belly. You're no longer allowed to side control. You can't north-south. You can't mount. You can't back mount if they go belly down. So that means if somebody's in my guard, right, and then I sweep them, the sweep, just the sweep alone to get into a top dominant position has now put me from legal to illegal, right? If I get somebody in a headlock, which is completely fine, I'm not choking them, and they decide they want to turn to fight and they're choking themselves, now it becomes illegal. If I want to get them in a head and arm position, right? Now, technically, if I start putting pressure, I'm I'm uh, restricting yeah. their ability to breathe. So all of those things are illegal now based on, like we were talking about the Frank Dukes thing, right? Everybody believed it when it came out. Well, it's the same thing with this bill. Everybody's like, that's a great idea, right? Like, hurrah. And they were able to fight enough to get that to happen. But that's because the people who pass the bill are coming from a place of ignorance and they don't understand what that bill truly does. It only leaves police officers with the ability to punch, kick. They can still slam you on your fucking head. They can still hit you with a nightstick. They can still pepper spray you. They can still taser you. And now they're more than ever likely to pull a firearm on you when they wouldn't have done it before because they're only left with a keto-like bullshit that won't actually save anybody or help them. So, like, now you're going to get people to die. People are going to die because of this fucking law. It's what more people, the, the, in the occurrences of police brutality are going to go up significantly because of this, and it's going to make citizens less safe. And well, the criminals perpetrating crimes less safe, believe it or not, whether you want to believe it or not. It's well, 100% true. We, we had uh, 
we had uh, Freddie Trillo come on, uh, but BJJ black belt, long, uh, like 20 year vet of the police force down in Florida. Um, and he went into great detail talking about some training they focused on when he was at the academy and that most of what he did was like baton wax. Like he would do reps of beating a dummy with a baton and that was basically it. That for, was what for six weeks, then you're done. They kick yeah. you out. Hey, yeah. go, go, go back his up. first, God, his first violent encounter with a his first violent encounter with a, a felon, uh, a guy was stealing a car. He was able to get him to, to pull over and get out. The guy just six two. Freddie is like five, like five. He's a pretty shorter guy. This guy just beat the shit out of him, like near death. He was his eyes were swollen over, and if like he luckily he had bought. He had bought, he had not been given one. He had bought a safety holster, meaning like he can't just take take the gun out of the holster. Had this guy been able to take the gun out of the holster and shoot, he'd be dead. He it would 100 or he takes the gun, shoots someone else, someone else is dead. That's when he he started doing jujitsu. He's never had any complaints from how he's implemented his training. There's tons of examples of police safely and effectively using jujitsu in the way you're supposed to, without even using chokeholds. I'm talking to top control. Like, that's yeah. all you need. And, yeah. and this bill would and problem, like, you know, disable a lot of those. First of all, this bill ain't going to last. There's no way this thing is going to continue. I mean, if it does, no one's going to comply to it because it's impossible to comply to. They, they, I even – I'm familiar with this, and you're not even if, – even if accidentally you are filmed – and during the course of a scuffle, you end up in a position of dominance. You are still hold liable to that. So that's the amount of care that you have to put into this. And unfortunately, yeah, this right. is right, it's ridiculous. This what, is what the- they've asked basically what should have happened, in my opinion, is because New York is a is a fucking shit show right now in terms of policy. Things are just passing and no one really even seems to give a damn about what the results will be. They just like, they needed to put a band on you know shit because people were beating down people were burning down houses and freaking Yeah, they were like, you know what? Uh quick, make a bill. Uh no token. All right, what else are we gonna put in there? All right, well, we can't restrict breathing whatsoever. Like, bitch, even a bear hug, yeah. a bear hug is now illegal. Right. Like, think about how how astronomically dumb you have to fucking be to pass a bill that basically says, I can no longer safely detain you, which is exactly what this bill says. Um, but you were talking, the reason I bring it up is because you were talking about, like, does media perpetuate that kind of thing? And I think yeah. for this particular bill, I think that's exactly what media did. It perpetuated bullshit and turned it into legislation. Like, I'm not worried about the Frank Dukes as much. I'm not worried about the Michelangelo's. I'm not worried about, like, the kids from Three Ninjas. I'm worried about actual media, like, not having an education in the martial arts. And then it becomes a mass hysteria, which forces politicians to create bills that don't make any damn sense. And, like, police already don't have enough training. We every anybody like I'm come on now. All of us train. You can't tell me there's never been a cop walk through your door and like it's his first class and you just yoke this dude up and you're like, How long you been a cop? He's like, I don't know, like five years. Like, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, right. You do this, you you do this for a living? Like I, this is my hobby, and I'm fucking you up, son. Like you might want to be here more often than I am. You yeah, know, I see I'm <laughs> I, I I work in a bar and I've worked in bars for my whole life and I see firsthand police officers out on the street and like most of them don't know shit and if you watch most of the occurrences where 
wrongful shootings happen and people end up being hurt, it's because the cop didn't know how to do his job in the first place. He was ill ill prepared. I mean, that one with at the parking lot it, with the, with the Burger King. I forget his name. It was in Atlanta. Was a perfect example. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a perfect example. There was two police officers, two grown men that couldn't hold one person down on the ground. You know, ends up taking his taser, runs on that. You got to shoot the guy. You know, and, and whatever you could. There's gray area to that. Whatever you want to talk about, but unfortunately, a man got murdered because two. Yeah, two, two, two officers, and we had Freddie Trillo, and he said, Kevin, you have teenagers in your school that could have done a better job than both of those grown men did at detaining this man on the ground. And it's 100% true because they don't. And the reason why people die and people get hurt when they apply these chokes and apply these pressures is because they don't know how to do them right. They don't know what they're doing. If they could do it right, you're not going to hurt the guy. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've been to, you know, what, at this point, thousands and thousands of classes. And I've been choked and I've, I've had positions where I've had times where I was being choked to the point where my ego was getting the better of me and I didn't want to tap. And the person just let me go yeah. because they were trained enough to know that they were choking me. They were like, ah, I don't need to finish it. I know. And even the idea, this is, you know, this is fact. You, you, you can, you, it takes a very long time to kill somebody from a choke. You have to blow, you have That's to cut the blood hole off for, for a solid yeah. two, three minutes to put, to kill someone with a choke. It takes about four seconds to put somebody to sleep. And an understanding of that is all the difference. Because if I choke you to sleep, okay, cool, you're asleep. I'm going to hold it a few more seconds just to make sure you stay asleep. Now you got the cuffs on you. All of a sudden you wake up, bad guy's done. Game over. You know, you know you what I mean? But, that's about it. I think, yeah. I, think, I think that it is totally reasonable to just say you're not allowed to put someone out in, in yeah. most police scenarios. Just because if you're trained properly, that should be so unnecessary. Unless, unless like Gary Tonin decides to become a master criminal and you've got to, you've got to engage him in hand to hand combat. One, you're fucked. Just now, let him get away with the gold. Now you're playing 50 50 with a criminal. All decided that they're just going to magically become career criminals out of nowhere. Ocean's <laughs> Eleven, but with the Danaher Death Squad. That's funny. I, I just, it. I just <laughs> got, a, I just got a notification about Gary Tonin as soon as you said his name. I just thought that. No, was no funny. way. Yeah, Is he? Did he? Or did he steal something? No, something he's, he's signed. They're still trying <laughs> to find an opponent for him. They're trying to find an opponent for him on his on his next fight to win and match. It's like, oh, one okay, them, who's number one? Dealer. Gary Tonin's next opponent, the law. <laughs> well, if they fight New York, he's gonna win. The oh, problem, boy. yeah. The problem with uh, the problem with with, and I'll say this a hundred times. Like the problem with the the issues of our of our world right now have less to do with police and more to do with the systemic issues of racism and poverty and blah 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 that have gone on for centuries and centuries that america just refuses to recognize as having any kind of importance in the world there's a ton of shit man so many things and all cops are taking the the brunt of it for uh, unnecessarily unfortunately all of it's rough you know and to me like you know i have a very specific niche and this is probably one of the only times that i can really think of that martial arts has been truly regulated in such a way. And it's not even regulating it against people that are trying to do harm. It's regulating it against people who are trying to actually save lives. A cop nine times out of 10 doesn't wake up one morning and just go, I can't wait to kill somebody today. It's not what they fucking do, you know? Like, and police, unfortunately, their job is not to be superheroes. Police do not stop crime from happening. What police do is they get called after a crime has already happened. So by the time a police officer gets there, the situation is already escalated. And when they get there, it's already going to be a dangerous situation at 
absolutely every time they get called out to do something could turn into a dangerous situation. Uh, how many police officers have been shot and killed because of a random traffic stop? You know, hey, man, I was noticed uh, you pulled uh, you, you you were going a little fast back there. Bam. Cops. Dead. I mean, no, but Freddie, what pulled the guy over? Because he noticed hit one of his like blinkers was out or something like something mundane. The guy had just come from stealing the car. Freddie thought he was. Like yeah, he ran a stop sign. Yeah, he ran a stop sign. So he pulled him over. The guy thinks I'm made. So after a brief conversation, Freddie realizes this guy stole a car, <laughs> and that's when the beating took place because he didn't know what else. To, he didn't know how to defend himself. I mean, Sad. Scary. I mean, now at cut to now, Freddie will talk openly about how if I'm chasing someone, I take them down. I just get them out and then put the I put the handcuffs next to the, their head and say, <laughs> uh, "Whenever you're ready, just just put those on you like yourself, and then uh, I'll just I'll just sit here waiting till you tire yourself out. And then after like 30 seconds of trying to get them off, they'll put the handcuffs on, and he's just like, you see." Now we could just – now everyone's fine. <laughs> yeah, like I well, – unfortunately, that's taken away from officers in New York. No longer have that ability. It's a now shame. Now they have to them in the head repeatedly with a stick until they comply. Yeah, he's got the, yeah. the baton training. Yeah. And who's who's going to want to be a cop anymore? Jesus. Be a oh, God, no. Like, I mean, listen, every all of us are hurt, probably hurting for money right now, but shit, I'd be a firefighter a million all, times all before I pick up – all I get to have a mustache and people like me. <laughs> <laughs> can't grow a mustache. Uh, well, okay. So like pivoting more towards another reason we wanted to have you here. I know we're, we're getting a little long, but uh, you got a documentary coming out. It's, uh, it's hit, it's hit. Yeah. It's hit a few snags. You know, development has been various stages of like waiting for the world to open back up, but uh, tell us a little bit about it from, uh, not not so much as an update, but just like what what the thing is going to be. Okay, well, um, you know, basically the page, the whole point of the page is to try to satirically help people understand the complexities of martial arts and understand how not to fall in the cult like behavior, how not to get hurt. Hopefully, what they'll do is they'll see enough of that stuff on my page, laugh at it, and then recognize it in person and never fall into that trap. Right, almost like a reverse Angie's list. Right, you're not going to. <laughs> You're not going to it looking up. You're going to it looking for information that you'll laugh at. But then again, once you start seeing it, you'll go up. Oh, well, didn't I see this on McDojo Light? And then you'll question what you're about to do, which hopefully will help save people's lives. Like, I know that that sounds like maybe dramatic for a page that's supposed to be funny, but it's true. Like the amount of people that I've seen get hurt, get abused, sexually assaulted, killed, all because of a dumbass martial arts instructor is ridiculous. And so I want to help people. Now, and for the documentary, we're not specifically going after specific martial arts. We're talking about the generalizations of the problems at hand. For instance, one of the things that we'll be doing in this documentary is we're making a mock seminar. So at this seminar, we're setting up a seminar with world-class martial artists. I have Kenny Florian, who's agreed to be with me, and Kit Dale has agreed to be with me for this. Kenny Florian, by the way, is one of the coolest dudes on the planet. I have to say thank you so much for that dude being who he is because he even opened the doors for us to come in and film and do stuff in his studio. So nothing but grateful for that. What is um, that? That's a, he's, he's at Meraki BJJ, Meraki. Right? Yeah. right? Okay, I just wanted and, to share. Cool dude, but he he basically like has allowed us to, to work with him and do stuff with him, which I, I appreciate. So we're going to do a mock seminar in which we are going to purposely make these guys fake martial artists. We're going to completely 100% make them their own human being, make a own website, make all that, and set up a seminar in which we bring in people 
who are learning martial arts, usually for the first time, are people who attend these type of seminars. So we're going to do a self-defense seminar. People that come in for the first hour, we're going to completely lie to these people. We're going to lie to them on purpose just to see if we can scam them. So we're going to teach them nothing but martial arts techniques that don't work. Now we can, we're able to film them because basically we'll just let them know, Hey, this guy, these instructors are filming for their, their online classes. If it's okay, please make sure when you sign the waiver, you sign off on this. So that way there's no suspicion of cameras. Then once they're done with that hour, we're going to give them a water break and we're going to say, Hey guys, give us a testimonial for the website and let us know what you think. And we're going to genuinely see what they have to say about the seminar that we just taught complete and utter bullshit to them. Now, after that hour, I'm going to come out and let them know, ask them how they're doing for the seminar. Then I'm going to show them all the setup to where we were lying about who they are, creating the character, all the bullshit techniques that we created, all the stuff that doesn't work. Right. And then let them know who these guys really are. Then after that, teach them a real, real self-defense seminar with world-class martial artists for an hour and see what their testimonials are after that. So basically we are gonna create a fake martial art and see if we can actually lie to people and if they'll be willing to go along with it. And not only that, would they be willing to perpetuate it by vouching for it? And so that'll be huge. Um, there's a guy, his name is James Heydrich. James Heydrich uh, molested five kids, but also he's really famous because he was on the show, The Amazing Randy. So he went on there saying that he could like move things with his mind, but he also had a martial arts cult where he convinced thousands and thousands of people that he was a legit like Kung Fu master when he had no martial arts training whatsoever. And then he molested five kids, goes on the run, winds up booking himself on Sally Jesse Raphael while he's on the run from the police. After he does the show, the police obviously pick him up and they put him in a mental institution only an hour away from our production studio. So we're going to go and we're going to interview him to find out what it's like to be this con man martial artist and how he got away with manipulating so many people. Jesus um, Christ. So, I'm going to talk about the generalizations. So what most people want me to do, which is the dumbest shit I've ever heard, so I'm not going to do it, so kiss my ass if you think I should. They want <laughs> me to go through every martial art systematically and go, uh, this is bullshit and that's bullshit. That's not what I'm working about with. I don't think that that's going to help. All that's going to do is just piss a lot of people off. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about all of the issues that come around, all the why there's so many cases of pedophilia. Why do people believe in shit that's not possibly true that won't actually work? How do I manipulate people? Which, by the way, that's something that I actually am a subject matter expert in is getting people to sign up for shit before they actually do it. My sales percentages are 70 percent. So 70 percent of people who walk into any martial arts studio that I've ever worked at sign up like that. And it's not because I'm just a good talker. It's because they're trained techniques on how to manipulate people into doing things, you know, like the five objections, right? There are five objections that people tell you before they tell you no. So rather than telling you, no, I don't want to sign up. We as martial artists, we don't do cold calls. People call us. They're approaching us to learn the skill that we have. And so it's up to us to fuck up the sale. So when someone walks in, if they don't feel like signing up, they're going to tell you one of these things. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I got to talk to my spouse. I have to think about it. It's too far away. So if I'm a good salesman, all I have to do is eliminate those five objections. And all you're left with is, do you want to be confrontational and say the word no, which would make things so much easier? Or do you just say yes and sign up because it's the thing that you were going for to help you in whatever pursuit that you wanted? And so, but I could use that same bullshit, all those same tactics to hurt people just like I could to help them. And so that's the scary part. I, I got to just for a moment, just because of this guy's uh, pedophilic history, you know, I, I understand why James could be a really good resource for this documentary. Are you worried about giving a platform to 
uh, a, a pedophile. Just like I'm, I'm wondering if like what's the nature of this of his contributions to the documentary, like, or or in, how do you envision them? Well, the pedophilia thing is like a footnote. Really, yeah. what he is is he's a subject matter expert on how to manipulate people on a mass scale, and so because he does have such a big ego he'll treat it like a platform for his voice right i don't give a shit what he thinks right, you're not what gonna give his website out or anything like that right you're, you're not, not gonna, gonna pump his instagram yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you <laughs> like puppies call but what we what we can use it as is we can use it as a true case study to find out how how this person was manipulating people and so he's already gone on previously on like a pbs special and he already admitted to being a fraud and stuff like that so what I want to dig into is I want to dig into how he did it. I want to know all the wheels and how they turn. So that way people can listen to this crazy asshole and go, holy fuck, like that's happened to me before. Like when I tell people how I sign people up, like when I actually explain how I sign people up on martial arts studios, they go, holy fuck, my instructor did that to me. Well, they never saw that happen until they knew the truth, until they knew how the system worked. Well, it's the same, like same thing with like jujitsu, right? Yeah. It's like. Let's say your martial arts instructor is an asshole, but he teaches you good martial arts. Well, you, I wouldn't stay because I wouldn't stay for the asshole, but at least you can cherry pick and go, oh, well, he's a dick, but he does know how to teach me these things that I wasn't aware of. Well, it's the same thing with this guy. He's a complete asshole and con man, but he does know how to teach me how to avoid those pitfalls because he knows how it works. I think yeah. exposing people in a very controlled way to that type of person is very it can be very helpful because it can also like what, like what you're saying, if you learn to spot that type of behavior in life, you can avoid truly horrible situations. You know, like you can learn to recognize and adapt so that you can better protect yourself and your family, you know, so that that's, I'm glad, I'm glad I got that, that clarification yeah. just because. And yep. just to add, you know, there was a guy, his name is Lewis Martin. And I bring out this book because he's helping us out so much. But he wrote this book called The True Believers. And the little tagline here says, a powerful and engaging testimony to the social mechanics of a martial arts cult. So this guy is giving us the opposite. So rather than him being the guy who was the cult leader, he actually wrote down his, he wrote a, a like a log of his martial arts journey. And he didn't know that he was falling into a martial arts cult. So this is a straight up student who worked his way from the bottom of the barrel, describing his very first day in the martial arts cult all the way up to being the head instructor of that cult, not the cult itself, but that particular studio. He was like the head instructor of that studio that had multiple studios around the world. But that's also fascinating to me. His story about how he was a regular dude looking for Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes because of UFC fell into this cult and not only fell for it, but fell for it. And it became a huge part of his life and the stories that he tells and the red flags that come up. So we have this guy like James Heydrich on one end, who was the cult leader and knew it. And we have another guy who was straight up a victim of a cult and figured it out. And so now we have all these references to basically cult behavior in the martial arts. And so we can use that to teach people. We can hopefully use it as a tool so people will just at least question their instructors before they actually go. Here's a, here's another great example, just real fast before I, you know, it's a little tangent, but yeah. you know, there's a guy, his name is James, uh, his name is David Arnbeck. So David Arnbeck runs a thing called Warriors Cove. Warriors Cove has three locations. He pled guilty to molesting a 15-year-old girl in his home. 
And because of the plea deal that he took, he wasn't put on a sex offender registry and he's still teaching people today. So that goes to show you that people are still signing up at those classes. Do you think absolutely any parent would ever put their kids purposely in the arm's reach of a pedophile? No, I don't think so. It's disturbing if things like that can happen, man. Yeah, but when they look at something, they just assume. And what I want people to do is stop assuming shit. Look into what you're about to get yourself into because if you get past, if you're past the average, which is one year in the martial arts, then you're probably going to be doing it for a while. And if you do it for a while, that means that you're going to be exposed to all the political bullshit that happens in martial arts, which you hear about martial arts politics all the time. You're going to be exposed to all the shady shit that happens. You're going to be exposed to a lot of dirty shit that you weren't prepared for, none of which are going to fall under integrity and honor and respect and all the shit that they hide behind before they open up a studio. And so people just assume all of those things come because of media. They assume that this is going to help their kid. They assume that this is going to make their, their life a little better. They assume they're going to get confidence. It's not necessarily true. You have to look into these people that you're about to spend a lot of time with to find out if it's a good fit for you instead of just blindly going and signing the contract. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you a great deal with that, man. I, 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 I first of all, the documentary sounds awesome. It really sounds like it's going to be a good documentary. It sounds, it sounds like you have a. I love the the whole format of it. The, 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 the different attributes or different things you're putting together for it. It sounds like it's going to be a great. Uh, Great documentary. I'm looking forward to seeing it when it comes out. But man, the power that these martial arts instructors have over their students is it's insane. It's one of the more off-putting uh, aspects of martial arts in general to me. Is that you know, like, hey man, like this guy might be good at an armbar, might be good at a spinning back kick. It doesn't necessarily mean he's you know a, a king of morality and things that you should follow. <laughs> you know, we see so many instances now where guys when they look at this martial arts instructor is not just someone teaches the martial arts but like as an influencing factor on the entirety of their lives and it's just so wrong so wrong mm -hmm. to see that and i think it goes both ways and i think the interesting parallels you show between you know someone that's been manipulated versus someone that's done the manipulation is that you know that taste of power is sweet so as you start to realize your ability to manipulate students, it's very easy to fall into the trap of saying, well, fuck, man, I have these guys in the palm of my hand. I can I can just I can just use my minions in whatever way I feel like, you know, using them and it, it, it increase my sphere of influence to, the, to whatever ends I want to lead them to. But it's our responsibility as coaches to subsequently beat that back and not allow that that's funny i always say this like i got white belts in my class they look at me like i'm a god and maybe i'll let them buy me a beer every once in a while because it's <laughs> fun or I, you know tell them to mop up the mats but i'm damn sure not gonna like have them you know come over to my house for a cult meeting and you know you know what i mean and try to bang their wives and girlfriends or whatever you know you know to, to, to say that it, it's just it's it's sickening to me quite frankly for again for someone that holds martial arts in the regard that i do. i i i I definitely agree. Like I'm really fortunate that my gym, it's, it, it's, it's just a gym, you know, like we, we show up, we train together. We, we try our best to get along once a month, once a month, we sacrifice a goat to Xenu. But other than that, like we're, <laughs> we're your you average, we're your average gym, you know, like God, just, <laughs> <laughs> but to, to, on that point, I, I do think that in the vein of those documentaries exposing things like Scientology and, and other cults 
that have existed in, in America and throughout the world. This is a vein that needs to be tapped. You know, you get people that will expose some guys like George Foreman or George, George Dillman, not Foreman. That dude is, that dude could kick my ass now. Yeah. Um, George Dillman. Yeah, no, George Dillman doing shit like no touch knock at knockouts. He's still earning a paycheck and he's been exposed a bunch of times on like small little TV shows that no one watches. But I think something like this, a, a, a real substantive, long-form documentary going into why these people are bad and, and why they need to be called out is, is really what we need. You know, and I, I definitely want to thank you for taking the time to, to come by and, and talk to us about it. It means a lot. No, I, I appreciate you guys giving a shit what I have to say. <laughs> I mean, so at the close, I would I would only ask that you you start to throw out more stuff about CrossFit self-defense on your page just because that doesn't get enough hate. And I always yeah, love uh, it when people call that out. But is I there got a call from Tony Blauer. Like I, I posted it years really? ago. <laughs> yeah, Tony Blauer runs the spear system. And there's a lot of things I actually like about the spear system. But um, yeah. like he talks about like reactionary versus like uh, uh, initiating and things like that. Like rather than waiting for things to happen, like, you know, the old like morality code of, okay, well, I'm not going to hit you unless you hit me first. Right, like right. that's a great way to lose a fight. <laughs> um, yeah. So but he talks about like, our, you know, being scared and startled. And he actually has done a lot of studies and I respect that. What I didn't like is when he fucking did that CrossFit bullshit. And I told I told him on the phone, yeah. all that other stuff, I actually like that. I like the spear system. I like all that stuff. I think that stuff has some validity. But, like, when you have some dickhead who's never thrown a goddamn punch in his life, and even if he has, he's trying to throw out, like, okay, well, you know how you grab a ball, right? And you <laughs> yeah. squat, and then you right. throw it up onto the wall. That's the exact same mechanic. Do a snatch. Uh, like, uh, doing a snatch, that's the same <laughs> kinetic chain as throwing an elbow. If you do it's snatch... Not. Then you've thrown more elbows than Muay Thai fight. <laughs> yeah. It's like a bullshit. Bullshit. All right. In an episode about McDojo's, I was not gonna let this go without fishing <laughs> on CrossFit. I was gonna have shit on CrossFit like a little bit. Yes, every one of them could beat the shit out of me because they're fucking massive meat types. They work out. I don't give a shit. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, weird. Man, also to Tony's point, I feel, I'm pretty sure I saw him teaching a class, like a martial arts class in jeans one time. And I'm like, that doesn't. <laughs> like I said, like I have no problem with Tony. I think that I at least respect that man for having the opportunity, taking the time to actually call me and discuss it. Right. Because that's like, that can't be easy because, like, obviously I might be one of those dudes, like, and all, like, probably I have done this before. So I can't say probably, or I might record the conversation and put somebody on blast. But I was very polite and he was very polite and we just had certain disagreements. And like it wasn't one of those things where, like I said, the one thing that he did, I enjoy. The other thing that he does, I don't, you know, so I can like somebody for one thing and not like him for the other. Like I can like Michael Jackson's music, but hate the fact that he's a fucking pedophile creep. You know what I'm saying? Like you can like somebody for one thing and hate him for another. He had the he had the balls at least to call you up and confront you about it and, and tell his side of the story, which is at least yeah. Know, and I respect that dude for that. Like I said, like and he invited me to come up and train with him doing the spear shit, and he was like, "I'll pay for everything." And I was like, "I I really appreciate that." At least he was open to it, knowing that I'll probably be one of those dickheads to shove a cramlet in every nook and cranny of that goddamn seminar and dissect it from top to bottom. You I know, think but, that that's I'm I'm really happy to hear that just because I'm never looking to just mindlessly hate on people. I always am happy when new information shows up that forces me to reevaluate and go, oh, okay, they're not they're not all bad. So Tony, I apologize. Well, but, no, just hit but, him up. 
Like, yeah, I, I, I should, we should have him on. That, that we'll try. We and, yeah, yeah that, that's the point it, of view. He'll, he'll be one of those dudes that will come on and you'll question him. He'll get a little heated. I'm not gonna lie, but you can question him and at least he'll give you an answer. And one of the things that at least he told me about those particular things was he didn't agree with some of the things that those instructors said. And so I also respected that. He was like, yeah, that dude, like, I would never say that shit. I never taught him to say that shit. That's not a part of our curriculum to say that shit. Yeah, but they, represent, like, they represent you, though, jackass. So you need to <laughs> Exactly. And so, like, I think that that comes from the top to the bottom. You need to, like, dissect that. You need to go, okay, this is a major issue. Let's not ignore it. Let's come out. Let's make a statement about it. And let's fucking fix it. Like an adult. Like an adult. You make a mistake. You don't go, well, that guy made the mistake. No, you go, hey. I'm the guy. I'm the one who started this shit and he actually sold it. So like he made this system, sold it to CrossFit. So like, he's not even really like, I guess you could say like, he's the guy who made it, but he's not necessarily the guy who's like packaging it and shit. I are uh, teaching it, but yeah, you should have him on. Like he'll invite you to go train with him. I think, <laughs> I think a lot of what you said to you goes back and this is great. Cause I, I love this more than anything about this entire podcast is when you talked about the labeling thing. Cause that, Cause I'm always looking for ways to, to, cause I'm open-minded and I hate to hear people bash anything. Cause I, again, I still think any martial arts better than no martial arts. I don't care what you're training as long as you're doing something. And again, I don't, obviously if you're a McDojo and you're trying to manipulate someone into doing horrible things and join your cult, that's not good. <laughs> but, but guys who take karate, Kung Fu, all those other things. Like I will never tell someone it's a waste of time. It's, it's, I, I, I hate that. And I always look for ways to try to, to, to justify that and find right in it. And the idea of what you said, the labeling thing is like, as long as you label it as such, there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I really, really like that, that, uh, that way to justify things. It's a, it's a good, good turn of thought. So. Well, hopefully anyway. it'll stop martial artists from being so fucking petty about stupid shit. <laughs> Even, as know. much as I hate, McDojo's. I think I equally hate everyone that screams McDojo that has it's like, what are you even talking about? Who the fuck are you? You're a fucking blue belt. What are you even Somebody talking about? Somebody <laughs> yeah. wrote an article. They said a hundred ways to spot a McDojo. A hundred. A hundred. And then the number one was probably if it's not jujitsu, it's a McDojo. It's probably well, like it, it was, was like, there's a lot, there was a lot of contradictory things in the article because like in jujitsu, most most jujitsu geese have a lot of patches. Like, that's just kind of like how it goes. Like, you get a patch here. There's like a big patch on the back. Sometimes you get patches. And they were like, if your gi has more than one patch on it, you're a McDojo. I'm like, well, that's not necessarily yeah. fucking true. Like, that's a, that's a, uh, it's a generalization. That's not that's true. Funny. That's funny. You know? Exactly. Exactly. I, I love, I just want to, again, like I said, one thing I hate, I hate that so much, this whole black and white freaking, uh, I mean, you're going to, some, some blue belt that's been training for three years is going to tell some, some guy that's been taking karate, you know, that's a, a fourth degree master in karate or Taekwondo that like, he knows more about martial arts than you do. It's like, bro, you're just stupid. <laughs> like, you're, I mean, you're, no, conversation my, is over now. One of my best friends, Tristan is like, he, me and him met because he was interested in learning some jujitsu. And when we li lived together in college and he was like from the womb, raised on Taekwondo, raised on Shotokan karate, like huge on Muay Thai, huge on boxing. He could like, there's nothing I could do to him. I'm like, I'm convinced. Like, even if I started on the ground, he would probably find a way to punch me in some way. And if he punches me, even if he punches me a little bit, his fists are like so dense and, and they hurt so much. I probably just give up. Like yeah. I am not the guy to knock karate, especially when you see that those old, old tournaments they used to have 
where like you're not allowed to do headshots. So they're just rock em, sock em, roboting and beating the beating their torsos to death and like doing flying kicks. Like I'm not about that, man. Those guys, yeah. they, they, those guys scare the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. GSP is the Kyokushin black belt. It was Kyokushin, right? Right. Yeah. GSP is yeah. That's that's real stuff, man. That's hard. Oh, yeah, man. Mean, yeah. They yeah. actually do have a kumite. They actually, they, there was an actual kumite that was a Kodoshin that was not quite the same as a blood sport, but it was a Kodoshin karate kumite. Thing. Well, like uh, Kyokushin, in order to, I think, I now don't, I'm going to fuck up the, the belt. So whoever is a Kyokushin guy ripping me apart, feel free to kiss my ass. That's going to be I on your website. That. This is McDojo Life, by the way. This isn't, this isn't the force of the. Uh, yeah, no, we don't know. <laughs> so, so like, uh, you know, in Kyokushin, they have something called 300 man kumite. Yeah. And so, like, it's you, like, actually, like, uh, Masoyama would actually did, like, a 300-man kumite in which it was him versus 300 dudes. Now, they say 300 dudes. Some of them cycled back through, yeah. but it was just, like, full-contact sparring. And he had to go through 100 rounds, 100 different people. Yeah. I, have right, very, 100 I, have, I have a very inappropriate joke that I'm going to keep to myself based upon Jesus that. Jesus, <laughs> oh, no, buddy. No, no. <laughs> buddy. All right. And I think that is a good point. To, to sort of say, uh, Rob, thank you for coming on. Is there anything you would like to plug at the outset here? Nah, well, for first of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a fun conversation, so I appreciate that. Um, you know, if you like our stuff, uh, every one of our social medias kind of operate independently. So our Instagram usually is what we post our fake uh, our video of the day. So every day I'll post a different fake martial arts video. Um, and sometimes I'll just post something that made me laugh. But then on our YouTube, I actually do original content Monday through Friday. So you can see video breakdowns like today. I'm going to do a, a, a McDojo breakdown where I try to explain the thought process behind the bullshit that these people are teaching. I usually try to give some information about who those instructors are, where they're located, all that information. So that way I don't get hit with like a copyright shit that happens if I decide to do the same thing on Instagram for some reason. Uh, thank God for the Fair Use Act. Um, and then like we post other things on our YouTube, but you can find it pretty much us at everything at McDojo life, um, every social media platform, except for Reddit. Cause there's some asshole out there. I pray you're listening who took <laughs> McDojo life and has done nothing on it for a subreddit. So on, 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 on Reddit, we are the McDojo life. So I, if I, if I was that guy, I feel like anytime you did anything, I would just repost it to the McDojo life page and be like, can you believe this guy? Can you believe this guy? My brand, I don't give a shit. Like, I know. I would. I would be like, can you believe this guy thinks he's me? I'm like, I'm the real McDojo. <laughs> Look at my name. It's obvious. I get verified. <laughs> now right. it pisses me off because oh. I have to get a verification. If that asshole got verified before me, I'd fucking be furious. He just he's, he works at Reddit. He's just he's got the inside track. He's got no followers, but he's verified. Just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man the fake fake mixed martial arts page which would be phenomenal <laughs> all right well once again rob thank you for joining us be sure to catch all uh all sorts of amazing content on his various social media and and youtube and content pages but uh and also be on the lookout for his documentary obviously the the world state of the world has sort of stopped up a lot of things happening for a lot of people but we will continue to follow its development uh, be sure to let us know when it's when it's ready. We will plug the hell out of it. I appreciate uh, that. Oh yeah, for sure. We're gonna watch the shit out of that thing. I'm gonna have a, a watch party. I'm, I'm excited. Gym, to see it. I'm excited <laughs> to see when it comes out. I love the premise of it. I think it's a good. I think it's a good. Uh, good premise. Appreciate yeah, it, man. man. All right. Well, 
This has been another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin. I've been your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher, and special guest Rob of McDojo Life. Thank you. Uh, love your neighbor, protect your neck, and we'll see you next time. Awesome, man.